Hello, I am Dr. Kathleen Hall, and this is The Way I See It. Well, I'm excited about today because what we're going to talk about is love. Uh, this is the week of Valentine's Day, and Valentine's means love. So uh, the title of our podcast is A Real Love Story for All You Valentines Out There. Um, there were a lot of ways to go this week talking about love and intimacy and love and how to do it and love and the psycho you know the psychological aspects of it the spiritual aspects of it the anyway it went on and on and then um I woke up in the middle of the night and I thought you know what uh I think for the first time ever because I've never done this before I thought I'd begin by telling my own personal love story because I believe it has universal lessons for everybody for anyone uh, that I wish I would have known when I was young. Uh, then I'd like to, after that, share a few pearls of wisdom that I know to be true about love in my very long life. And in a, um, if love has to do with it, a very successful life in love. But it didn't start out that way. Didn't start out that way. Um, I started out in a very um, violent and very damaged family. Um, my mother was a singer, dancer, a beautiful woman. My father was a very successful, go gorgeous guy um, who was part of an uh, extended family that was very well known. Anyway, they uh, married, and um, everything pretty much fell apart, I believe, from the beginning. But as it grew and I grew up, uh, my father became more jealous and more violent uh, with my mother and pretty much all of us, and um, it got to the point that um, I was, I grew up pretty confused about love because when it's based on things that you see, like on my mother's side, fear, uh, hiding, uh, hypervigilance, because when you live with somebody violence, that, that's the cycle of violence, it's the way you live. And then with my father being a bully and violent and uh, jealous, it, it was uh, a, a nightmare. That's a good way to put it. It was a nightmare. And it was all I could do to survive it. To, so to say I knew nothing about real love except through my pets. But even that uh, was dashed lots of times because my father, when he would get really, really mad, sometimes as a lesson he would uh, take his shotgun uh, or, yeah, it was usually a shotgun, and um, kill, you know, whether it was a cat or shoot at the dogs or whatever. So when I say violent childhood, I really, I mean horrendous. And uh, if he didn't like what you wore, he, you know, would take your clothes and uh, uh, put kerosene on them and burn them in front of you to teach you a lesson of what was proper to wear and what wasn't proper to wear. So the only reason I'm sharing this uh, uh, disturbing story of my beginning of my life, again, which I've never told before, uh, not out of shame, but just out of, um, I don't know, just not wanting to go back there really a lot, is because it has to do with love. Because my view of, I had no view of love. I had view of, if it was going to be love, it would be ownership. It would be uh, uh, one titular head of a family. Uh, it was pretty perverse. And then we grew up Catholic. So it was, you know, Jesus bleeding on the cross in front of me all the time. Every time we went to church, we sat in the front row, so I was a few feet from the thorns and the bloody images. Um, 
that my, my salvation probably was saints, women saints, because uh, I tried to channel Bridget or, you know, Mary or the mother of God or uh, any of the women saints and would, you know, uh, feel like they overcome every, anything. They overcame male kings and male things. And so that, that was pretty much how I survived my childhood. But in saying that, I was never going to get married. I didn't believe in love at all. And, uh, or my other choice was to go into a convent. So um, my, I matriculated through high school, did very well, and was really, really popular, but never dated much. And if I did, it was shake your hand at the door, um, never any kissing, touching. I mean, when I tell you that I was damaged, it was pretty much beyond belief. Uh, so anyway, fast forward, I go to school, I get this job at a hospital, and I'm credit and collection manager, uh, and the only guys that I date are like... Uh, you know, the flashy guys with the uh, Mercedes coupes or the Porsches or the, you know, shallow house. Good looking. I was attractive and, you know, kept it on a, uh, you know, again, I dated him a couple times because I wasn't about to get involved emotionally because uh, I didn't think I was capable of it. Or um, so, so anyway, I did it for fun, for partying or drinking or whatever was going on at that stage. Anyway, one day I'm in my office uh, and this skinny, scrawny, skinny, 135 pounds, six foot one, uh, man walks in, and um, I'm, in a, I'm staring at him. He's got a white coat, so I can tell he's a medical student. And um, I go, uh, can I help you? And he goes, well, I've been watching, you know, I go by, make rounds, and I watch you, and you really you know, work hard and everything else. And when uh, the doctor at the emergency room said that I needed to come by and introduce myself. And I said, oh, hi, I'm Kathleen Hall. And he said, well, I'm Jim Hickson. And he had this Southern accent. I went, oh, my God. I said, where are you from? And he said, I'm from South Georgia. And I said, yes, I can tell. And he said, and ma'am, I've been wanting to meet you. And I went, oh, dear God, why did Dr. Jernigan send this guy over here. And so he's talking to me and really nice. And all of a sudden he goes, oh my God, I see that Southern Living magazine on the corner of your desk. And Southern Living is a magazine we have in the South and it's got, you know, gardening tips, fruit, vegetables, how to decorate your house to be a, you know, really nice Southern, beautiful home. And I couldn't believe this man was picking up a Southern Living magazine or even really knew what it was. And he goes, uh, oh, my God, uh, this, is my, this is our favorite magazine at my house. He said, um, and look at this, how to make and fry crisp okra. I, I looked at him. I thought it was a joke. And he went, do you mind, ma'am, if I sit here for a minute? My mama's okra has been soft lately, and she wants it crispier, and it says that there's a new coating. So he said, J just a minute. I, I hate to bother you. So he goes and flips through here, and he, and he went, yes. She needs more cornmeal and less flour. I thought that was probably it. Um, thank you so much. And and then he flipped, you know, went back to the magazine. He said, and her hydrangeas have been acting up, and they've been turning a little too pink. It's a beautiful flower we have in the South. And uh, do you mind if I just, one more minute. So he sits down, and he looks up how to get your hydrangeas to have more acid in the ground. And he goes, oh, my God, I'm going to call her. I'll call her and tell her about this. Thank you for letting me look at these magazines. And he said, da-da-da-da, uh, um, and he talked to me, and he left. And I, I, it was like a bomb went off in my heart. i got to be honest. I was teary-eyed. 
my heart was was up into my neck. I couldn't even breathe. And I went, oh my God, what is going on here? And uh, I felt sick to my stomach. And so the two women that worked with me in the same office looked at me and they started laughing. And I said, and I was their boss. They said, uh, what you, I said, what's so funny? And they said, uh, you're in love. I said, what? And they said, you're in love. I said, oh my God, no, I'm just nauseated, sick. I've never seen anybody like him in your life, in my life. And they said, well, he is a true Southern, gentle, sweet man. And said, seriously, any man that would look at that recipes for his mother and, and uh, hydrangeas and he came by to see you and he's adorable. We think he's adorable. So um, I was sick the whole afternoon, felt weird, uh, had to go to a big meeting. I came back from the meeting about five o'clock and there's this, by the way, this is Valentine's Day. It's February the 14th. There's this little note in the corner of my desk and it said, Miss Hall, um, I wondered since it was Valentine's Day, if you weren't busy tonight, if we could maybe go out to Lums to get maybe a a hot dog, and and a Coke or something, and get to know each other a little better. I went, oh my God, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. And he left his phone number. So I went home, freaked out, didn't know what to do. And anyway, I called him back. He picks me up. We go out for this ham, uh, hot dog, excuse me. And I was trembling the whole time because I, it was just like from another world. And I was terrified. I'd never, ever experienced somebody kind and gentle and loving and peaceful. And I don't know how to explain it. I, I never knew a man like that. I I just, I, I don't know. But instead of being, you know, mushy and everything, I was terrified. I was sick to my stomach. So that happened. Uh, we dated three times, went out, never kissed. Um, and I was madly in love. And he, I knew he was. We, we both just knew it. We didn't say it. Now, we didn't say it. We skirted around it and talked about hydrangeas, flowers. I never told him about my family. We talked about the hospital doctors we knew, blah, blah, blah. And um, anyway, so uh, that was it. He went back. Uh, his rotation was up. He went back to Augusta, which is a city further away in Georgia. And um, he called me a few weeks later. I went over to Augusta. We went to a dance. And... Uh, and that was interesting because we sat there and looked at each other uh, on the porch and he said, this is serious. And I said, I know it is. And he said, um, so I want to be chief resident. And I said, and I want to be the head of administration. So we just need to stop this right now. So we did. We uh, said, well, if you ever get married or anything ever happens, call me. And I said the same thing. I said, same to you. Um, I have my career in front of me. So that's kind of what happened. Um, but every day of my life, I kept thinking about him, haunting me, loving him, and I knew he loved me. It was just such a deep connection, and it really was love at first sight, whether it's a vibrational frequency, whatever it was. But we didn't see each other for a year and a half, and uh, I, was, I, I fell for a man in Florida. I had moved down there and started getting serious, and I thought, you know what? I need to call him because I did promise if I got serious with anybody or thought about marriage, I'd call him. Well, I called him up in Augusta, and I tried all the hospitals at the last hospital. They finally found a Dr. Hickson. I was paging overhead back then. And he comes to the phone, and he recognized my voice. He said, Kathleen, this was on a Thursday. So he said, before you get married to go any further, would you fly up here on Saturday? So I did. I flew up to Augusta on Saturday from Orlando, got off the plane at 9 o'clock, true story, called my mother at 1 and told her we were getting married. And we were married literally a few weeks later. 
Um, that weekend we did kiss and things like that, but I'm telling you, it was the strangest relationship. I walked down that aisle um, literally not even uh, knowing him very well. So, but for something, for some reason, some divine reason, I just knew this was it. He, uh, he, he, he my mother hated him because she thought his accent being deep Southern, that he was ignorant. And I kept telling her he's a doctor. He can't be stupid. And he graduated, you know, in, in three years from medical school, three, you know, three years from undergraduate. I mean, please, mommy can't be, uh, stupid and she didn't care um and he was baptist of course that was out she was roman catholic and in the same vein with his parents they were southern baptist and uh hated me they'd never really seen it or known a catholic before by the way they had seen john kennedy on television but that was about it so it was a horrible situation for them wonderful situation for us so the reason that I'm telling you this story is because pearls of wisdom developed out of this relationship of two people really not knowing each other, uh, except knowing that you're in love and uh, everything that transpired. It would take a mini podcast to talk about our relationship. But the sum of it is that we fell madly in love. And I was before, and I want to, I forgot to say this. Before we got married, on that Saturday, I flew up there. I told him, I said, you can't marry me. And he said, why? And I said, because I'm the most damaged person you have ever seen in your life, ever. And, um, and he said, what? And he said, you're beautiful. I mean, you're pretty, you're nice. You're I said, yeah, I know. I know all that. that. That is just the icing on the cake. I said, I said, when the icing melts off, you have no idea I am the most... Uh, Awful, I mean, if you knew where I came from and what I'd lived through, you would never, ever uh, marry me. So I am so damaged. You're so kind and loving. You need, you need to marry somebody very kind, very loving, that will love, can love you back and, and be unda- you know, not be damaged like I am. And he uh, pushed back my hair and he said, no matter how long it takes, how many years, how much money, how much counseling we have to have, whatever it takes, let's spend our life weaving our lives together and... and um, and, and, you know, figuring out how to make this work because I will love you till the day I take my last breath. I know that. And I started crying and I said, and I'll always love you. So anyway, we decided to get married. We got married. Anyway, fast forward, we married into this relationship. And so I took his mother. I decided to take his mother since she had put her stake in the ground, decided to hate me. This is my challenge of love. I'm going to love her no matter what she did to me, does to me my entire life. So subsequently... We had two children um, that she adored and adored, of course, her son, her oldest son, and um, really despised me. And she lived for 38 years in our marriage before she died, 35 years, and pretty much disliked me every day of her life. But I took her as my, like a saint. Or I, again, remember, I kept, I kept imagining these saints. I kept thinking, she is my person that I'll learn from no matter what she does to me. I, you know, I'm going to learn to love her because I'm the one that is or was damaged and I can learn from her. So anyway, that, that was one thing we did, which was wonderful and beautiful because she did. She taught me so much. And the other thing was um, Jim and I were committed. So, of course, we had to have lots of counseling, lots of family therapy. Um, and I'm going to talk about the, um, uh, the, again, the pearls that I can share with you now because they do work. They do work. And uh, because I met my husband on Valentine's Day, and here we are 
um, golly, almost 48 years later. And the rest is history. We are uh, ridiculously in love and more in love now than we've ever been with any breath of our life. And you too can have a, a lifelong love affair. Um, but there are certain things that you really, really, really can bank on. And you can, again, go to the bank on or know how to create a relationship. Um, and again, we've been through, uh, you know, losing a child, uh, betrayal, uh, uh, all kinds of normal things. Everybody goes through in every love relationship, but it's how to how to uh, navigate these, you know, like a, a ship where you have a strong rudder in it or sails and you know how to navigate the sun and the storms. And that's really what it is. You're both jumping on the boat together. You're uh, letting go of that knot that uh, ties you to the land and sailing off. And you, you better know how to sail uh, because all of that's going to happen to you and more. Sharks are going to circle the boat. Um, so on this Valentine's Day, I just wanted to talk about a few pearls of wisdom. So this little story leads us to the celebration of love this week. Valentine's Day is huge, especially in this country. Um, and so those of you who live in other places around the world, Valentine's Day on February the 14th, we celebrate this week of love, love, love. And um, it's one of our biggest holidays of the year. But I think everyone, no matter where you live around the world, we all need love, especially with COVID and everything we've survived this year. We need to weave our lives back together in a better way more than ever, especially in our country. So what I wanted to talk about was um, things like this. The reason we know it's a big holiday, do you know 70% of us celebrate Valentine's Day? We spend almost $30 billion on the celebration of love. Okay, so does that tell you how much we want it, we need it, we know? It's such a fanfare, it's no surprise that it becomes mistaken. Love becomes mistaken for intimacy, and they really aren't the same thing. Romance means you completely, I can't live without, without you, and it presumes that we're fundamentally unfinished unless we have the other person. Fairy tales tell us that, whether it's Cinderella, Jerry Maguire, Twilight, Things we read, we watch, we're told. Finding the other one is supposed to complete us or heal us. Um, and, and again, I don't know what about me. As damaged as I was, I knew he'd never completely. I knew it had to be my journey, but it was like I had a best friend to go through the bowels of hell with me. I think, I think that's how I would describe it. It was never, I never had fairy tales. I was never read to as a child, so I never had stuffed animals, so I would never would have had any of that. Uh, but also, don't be part of a jigsaw puzzle. Um, you know, becoming part of a jigsaw puzzle or a jigsaw puzzle piece in someone else's puzzle is pretty awful and pretty terrifying. What happens if one of the pieces needs to change its configuration? You know, your wholeness is threatened if you have to change to fit in to their puzzle. So, let's begin Valentine's Day this year by discovering and remembering that we are intrinsically whole. Okay, and this is, I think, somewhere in my DNA, whether it was being raised Catholic and with all these nuns and Catholic school, I don't know where it came from. Maybe I, maybe I believe people come in with these things in their soul, but I know, knew that I watched a relationship where my mother kept waiting for a monster to complete her, that I went, no way, baby. I know that this is an inside job. So for you, please don't expect love and Valentine's that you need something that somebody else has to complete you. 
okay? You are perfect and complete as you are. And you're connected to your great source. Call it your higher self, God, universal consciousness, whatever you want to call it. It's your source. Our work is not to create a connection to the divine, but to remember who we are, okay? I was so damaged. I'm going to give you my personal experience again. So damaged, I forgot who I was. And I was also raised in a theology where there's original sin instead of original blessing. We are an original blessing. In other words, while I, I was, you know, we are, I was flawed, striving, imperfect, you know, we are also already perfect and magnificent. If I didn't have that capacity in me somewhere to love, I couldn't have loved my husband and my children and all my friends and my magical life that happened. I repeat this mantra or phrase every day of my life. I am a living prayer of God. I am a living prayer of God. Okay? Because it's, I, I feel like I am. That's what I'm to do. I'm the living prayer. I incarnated this light and love. And it's my calling, my job, my love is to be that prayer, a living energy. So bring that intrinsic wholeness and say, you know, I choose you instead of I need you. Every day you wake up, look across the pillow. When you meet somebody new, say, I choose you, or I chose you, not that I need you, okay? So that's a, I think it's really important. So on this Valentine's Day or this Valentine's week in a time of love, rather than settling for romance all the time, let's talk about intimacy and how to move with romance and intimacy and connection. Okay, these are my pearls that I know to be true. First is respect. The foundation of all relationships, whether it's human, nature, animals, all things, reverent respect. This is hard since many of us, especially me, did not learn a lot about respect when I watched these two people destroy each other. I had to learn respect through animals. I spent a lot of time outside um, rescuing animals. We had cows next door in a pasture. Uh, there were dogs, cats, you know, animals in the woods. Also nature, my God, the four seasons, the snow, the rain. I lived, I had a little secret uh, hut that I built out in the woods by myself where I felt safe, where he couldn't find me or no one could. So I think my reverent respect started with I knew this wasn't right and that there was something bigger. So reverent respect is the basis for yourself first and then everything else. Second, be present. Through our physical bodies, we're grounded in each moment, okay? We are here. Our bodies are closer to dying every day we breathe, okay? Further from birth. Be present with yourself and then be present with the people you love, the person you love. It's going to be an unbelievable, unbelievable. And also, if you have a pen, write these down, okay? First is reverent respect. Second is be present. Always be present. And come back home to yourself. It's like playing baseball or a game, um where you come back to home plate. That's your home. Be present. That's the only place where you're truly home. Listen. Deep listening is not hearing. Okay? Deep listening is not hearing. Is, it, hearing is, is one of your five senses, but deep listening is with reverent respect and that you let them enter the cave of your heart. What changed me? Nobody ever listened to me in my life. I was just a kind of a I don't know, some kind of an object or a tool that moved around with a lot of responsibility. Um, but listening, when I saw my husband look into my eyes, I could feel his heart opening, and he respected and listened to me. Please listen. Keep that a, 
one of the core values of your um, of your life and also of your relationship. Next is forgiveness. Any relationship is the foundation or strength is forgiveness. It's got to be. It's not an option. It's not. Oh, do I choose one, two, or three? Uh. Uh-uh. A foundation is forgiveness because I got news for you, and you know this. It's not. It's fall down forty times, get up forty-one. The same with forgiveness. Forgive forty times. Forgive for you know fall. Forgive 41, 45, forgive seven times, seven times, seven. How many times do I forgive? You know, Jesus, seven times, seven times, seven. Please, we have to forgive. It's a basis of any relationship. It's it's the grace of God, truly. Um, next is lies kill, the truth heals. Um, I had so many lies and so many secrets I kept, and so we call it secrets kill and truth heals. So secrets are huge. You don't have to say them all at once because some of them are so huge and monstrous like mine were that even to this day at my age, I'm still uh, um, un- unpackaging or opening secrets to my husband and my friends. But it's amazing. Secrets are wounds. Secrets will kill you. Okay, they do. The truth heals. Okay, it's like a scab though. You pull off the scab and it does heal in the light and in truth in air. Next, enjoy your sensuality. That was one of the hardest parts for me because I had left my body to survive such violence. But my husband taught me. He taught me to trust that he wasn't going anywhere. He was there. Just like I had touched my cats and my dogs and everything else, it was okay. It was safe. He wasn't going anywhere. He wasn't going to leave me. And question your old patterns. My God, someone like myself had so many damaged old patterns. Good grief. But saying, these are my old patterns of jealousy, anger, fear you're going to leave me, fear of being controlled. Well, that was my huge, that was my biggest one. Um, Fear of um, power over. None of that happened, but those were my fears. So question your old patterns and be honest with it. Be honest with the person that you love, whether be it a friend, a partner, uh, a spouse. Be honest about it. Next is practice gratitude. Uh, You know, I am so grateful. I don't even think uh, I sit down at a meal, whether it's a simple breakfast of juice or whatever with my husband. Uh, We sit on the porch and watch the sunrise. We'll read an article in the paper together and we just look at each other and go, I'm so grateful. So, so intensely grateful. My tribe, my friends. I mean, every time we just sit there, I'll sometimes in silence and say, I'm so grateful. I mean, I went out to get the paper and to feed the birds this morning, and my God, the robins were singing, and oh, grateful, gratitude, gratitude, one of the foundations of a happy life and a full life. Next, express your love. Express it. Don't expect, this has been the biggest challenge for my husband, not me as much. Once I found love, baby, I'm, I'm all over it. Uh, to this day, my husband, you know, he, he I have to remind him constantly, you know, I need you to, to look at me directly. He's a physician. He's a doctor. He sees heaven knows how many people, people a day. So he can get rote and patterned and boring. So this keeps your marriage alive and keeps love alive. Express your love. And another big one is release your expectations. Um, we had a good friend named Gloria up in the mountains, and she was happy all the time. She had more friends than God. I'm not kidding. She had friends everywhere. I, I could, I've never seen somebody with more friends in my life. So Jim and I were fascinated by the enormous, the enormity of her friends everywhere. So we went to dinner one night, and Jim was laughing, and he said, Gloria, he said, how in the world can one human have so many friends? He said, it's simple, Jim. You just lower your expectations. Okay? I lower my expectations. I love them. I mean, some of them have come out of prison. Some of them have had 10 marriages. Some of them are alcoholics. I lower my expectations. 
Jim and I went home in a state of shock, and we went, oh, my God, oh, my God. That's, that's what we have to do. We've had such high expectations of ourselves, enormously high expectations of ourselves. We've had them for other people, too. Oh, my God. So it changed our life. That, that dinner changed our life. And one of the final ones is get help, then get more help, then get more help. For me, it started out with therapists and teachers and classes and then all kinds of alternative healers, friends. I was afraid to trust friends because I thought if they found out who I was or what my past was, and, and remember I'd been so betrayed, I was afraid they'd betray me. Groups, friends, get it regularly. Jim and I have had more marriage counselors uh, than uh, Colors in the Rainbow. I'm not kidding. I mean, we've had every every type, every flavor of, of uh, marriage counseling, couples counseling, individual counseling, you name it, we've done it because we were committed. And when our love began to dry up or get short or terse, we knew one of us or both of us needed help. And we helped tell each other that, that maybe Jim, you need, or Kathleen, maybe you need to go see somebody. It's not, a, it's not an indictment. It's not negative. It's positive. It's saying, mm, you need to grow maybe here, but or I need to grow here, and I just don't know how to do it. I don't have the equipment or the tools to do it. So I need to go somewhere. Remember, a relationship is like a garden of flowers. It requires regular fertilizer, pruning, light, nourishment and replanting okay pruning pruning just like a great trees I have in my backyard a lot of my beautiful flowers everything that we have requires pruning fertilizing light nourishment we're all part of this organic beautiful universe so please you know no it'll grow stale and die your roots will die up okay last but not least open yourself to the mystery if anyone would have told me I'd be married to this man who is one of the most kind, gentle, loving, I, I could go on forever, healer, physician. Um, I, I, I can't tell you. And the lives we've changed uh, and through my woundedness, opening foundations and him supporting me and he and uh, uh, the thing, I, I can't even tell you, it, it, would, take, it would take a whole, uh, more than a podcast. But Open yourself. When you feel yourself afraid or, or, or start to close up, especially as you age or, or come out of a divorce or uh, after we lost a child and, and, um, and after we've had so many huge losses, which, again, I don't want to talk about right now. We don't have time. Um, it's hard to open back up because of the wound. Again, here we go with that crusty covering. You have to rip off that scab because, remember, uh, and, and open it. Open that oozy stuff and trust that whether it's, uh, friends or a healing balm or love, whatever, a bit of laughter. Open yourself to the mystery. If anyone would have told me my horrendous childhood would lead me to this literally almost fairy tale of a life, me, not me, never me, not damaged me, not terrible me. But remember, I didn't wait for it to happen. I created the fairy tale. And I found someone else who believed in love and believed in working at it, and believed in all the tenets, reverent respect, listening. you got to have a partner or friends or a tribe that believes in it. And it is a lot of work and commitment. So enjoy these explorations of intimacy on Valentine's Day and well beyond, okay? And deliberately set out 
to work at this, okay? Uh, I hope you took, and if you didn't, you know, take a couple notes. These are, and, and if you have a hiccup in any one of those relationships, again, there's teaching, there's uh, books, there's um, uh, one of the sources, too, for helping a lot is, is even the Mindful Living Network, uh, mindfullivingnetwork.com. Uh, rmln.com. And if you have any questions or problems you can't get over, you, you know, uh, contact me at info at uh, mindfullivingnetwork.com or info at ourmln.com. Also, we have a great newsletter. It's wonderful. I love our newsletter. And sign up for it. Sign your friends up. Get get uh, your family. It's a source of healing and and uh, lessons and all kinds of cool things. Also, like I said, if you have any information or anything you want us to talk about, anything you want us to write about, any kind of a newsletter or communication you want us to begin, let us know. We're open to everything. Uh, we want the world, not just this week of Valentine's Day to symbolize love. We want it just like one of those weeds that you blow and the seeds blow and spread all over the planet Earth and out into the universe. We all want to spread sparks of light just like the Big Bang Theory. We want to be the Big Bang for love, especially now in our world, guys. We need it more than ever. So thank you for being with me for my real love story for Valentine's Day. And you have your own love story, and if not, start creating it today, okay? A real love story of love for Valentine's Day. This is the way I see it. I am Dr. Kathleen Hall. <laughs>